Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. As a mother, lover, and agent for change with a passion for showcasing the magic of Black women and the beauty of Black love, Cherie seeks to demystify the stereotype that Black women can have it all and do it with style, class, and grace. Gina Toppin is a practicing attorney in Philadelphia and the surrounding counties. Her practice primarily focuses on family law. Gina represents both mothers and fathers in a wide variety of family law matters. She regularly appears in court to advocate for her clients in child custody, child support, and divorce cases. Gina graduated from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. with a major in French and a minor in Spanish. She has a deep commitment to participating in pro bono legal services and other community services service programs. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. I'm so excited. Black Jesus. And then, you know, Fahim Gori. usually his camera is on in these Wakandan streets. But Gina, when I say you are timely, only God, keep, keep going. Go do what you have to do, honey. Go do what you have to do. Let me, we'll, we'll start without you. Um, she's working, uh, with her child right now. So I, 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 the, Gina is here on purpose. Fahim, good morning, sir. Let the people know you're here. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm good here. Morning. I'm here. Hey, Fahim. All right. <laughs> good morning, Gina. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, listen, honey, you might end up becoming a regular on some basis on this show because we have conversations we need to have. And as I love this segment, being a family, uh, practicing family law is very helpful because we hear so many things um, across the diaspora about what's happening when, you know, when teeth and tongue meet, as we say, she's Jamaican like I am, which is yes. the icing on the cake, right? So when yes. teeth and tongue meet, anything happens, they're liable to happen. And people who are normally so in love are now fighting and scrapping and tearing up themselves and the children that, they, oh Lord, black Jesus. So let's go. Cherie, we're going to talk about, because <laughs> Cherie comes in and she goes, I feel ambushed. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm like, we have a guest? Woo. What? <laughs> Did I get a phone call tonight before? <laughs> Listen, she was supposed to be on last week, honey. And yeah. So we missed it. But it's all right. Uh, but what you need a phone call for, though? You, you, you always ready? You are always ready, honey. Stay ready. <laughs> be ye ever ready in these Wakandan streets. <laughs> and you know I'm not going to put you you're, you're welcome sweetie and you know I'm not going to put you in a situation that's going to make you crazy or embarrass you in any way right um, that, right and we've talked about all kinds of crazy things on this segment this is true today we're going to talk about when the children comes to a parent and says I am being touched inappropriately uh, at church in school or a family member is touching me inappropriately how do we navigate through that? Because oftentimes the families do one or two things. They believe the children and they go all out, right? And have the conversation, uh, across, you know, talk to the people who the children, uh, say abuse them or they deny it. And, and, and I'm going to be clear in our communities. We see that quite a bit. It's, it's uncle so and so. It's auntie so and so. You don't want the family business out in the street. And oftentimes when these things happen and our children then go into schools, if they're treated inappropriately or touched inappropriately, similar things happen by the very adults who are supposed to be protective of them. So what is the conversation we need to be having with our children as they mature from 
uh, toddler to kindergarten to middle school, high school, et cetera, et cetera. How do we navigate that? Who wants to start? Well, hey, I feel like what are the conversations we need to be having with adults? Okay. Like, because children, the children are telling and saying what they need to say. It's the adults that aren't. Um, you know, that has not been my truth. So I'm going to have limited input on that because, right. you know, I don't have that experience with myself nor my children. Right. But my mother personally, you know, kind of modified her life in a way that, you know, did not put and have me in situations with people that, you know, whether she felt like she couldn't trust or just people, you know, in general. I don't think I did that with my children, but I definitely, um, because my mom was kind of like the boogeyman mom, <laughs> everything, I, you can't get kidnapped, you can't, you know, somebody's going to get out there, whatever. Uh, so she was probably a little overprotective. My children, uh, I t- just thought as soon as they could talk, like what's appropriate places for people to touch and, you know, being empowered to have, you know, to tell me something, but you know, they, they never, they never did. So, um, we, I never had to have those conversations, but I think it's the adults, whether it's the, the parent who is not believing it or the parent who, um, is afraid of what their lifestyle is going to be. It happened to one of my best friends growing up. Her mom had been married though for 30 years to this person. And that person was her sister's father. And her mom was a stay at home mom and life was going to be very different. You know, if, if she left her husband because of, you know, what had happened. So there's a amount, an amount of compassion and sympathy, I guess I can have for, for people that are in those situations because they are real. Um, you know, but I think the conversation is not only with children, it's also with adults um, and believing children and validating them and, and those types of things. Fair enough. Gina, what would you like to add to this, if anything? Yeah, I, I do agree with Sherry. It's definitely a conversation to have with the adults. But at the same time, I think a lot of it, and one thing you'll hear over and over from me is language and how we use language. Mm-hmm. Part of that is teaching the kids the right words to use. A lot of people have a lot of fun words for private parts. But there's something to be said about teaching them the correct words. So when they're in that situation, they express themselves clearly and concisely and nobody will doubt what they're talking about. Absolutely. I agree with you. I did the same things with my sons. This is your penis. This is what, you know, this is when you were a girl, their vaginas. We have those conversations and I've had conversations with them about if they don't feel safe in any way, because we often think about our girls. We don't think about our boys. Right. And boys are are prone to be molested and treated differently, too. Um, and we just think, well, it's a boy. Boys are just going to be boys. We have to speak up for our children. Fahim, what are your thoughts around this? I, I also just think as a father of a boy and a girl. Right. Right. Um, well, for one, I, I believe in um, especially when you're when your children are are young. You have to believe them. As adults, we're we're often very skeptic just because, you know, in an adult world, you know, we deal with a lot of misinformation, a lot of lies and stuff like that. So we're naturally skeptic of everything that we hear. But you have to remember children. It's it's not natural for children to lie. Lying is something mm-hmm. you develop as you get older. Children naturally are very blunt, like to the point that sometimes they're mean. Like, you know, like you'll put something mm-hmm. on it like that. You look fat. You know, like kids would just say exactly yeah. what's on their mind. Like they they have no natural reason to lie. So if, if your child is telling you something, you, you have to, you know, take them for their word. And also, you know, just paying attention and, and being observant to things. Like if, if your child is normally... You know, uh, has no problem going to school. They're happy going to school, excited. And then all of a sudden they they just never want to go. They're, you know, always, you know, 
cl- claiming to be sick or just just anything to avoid going to school, you 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 have to use that as a red flag. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Um, Gina is here today because she's a family lawyer, family court law. She does with family court matters. And we have a lot of conversations about relationships when they end. What happens in the court system? What are the rights that each parent has? What can men do when they're trying to see their children and they're not able to, even as they're paying child support, right? And I have a particular case right now where a woman is going through a divorce. This is a very true story. She left her husband. Um, she has all her children with her. She's always been a good mom. And the ch- one of the children did something and she punished the child. And the husband uh, called the cops and said that she was abusing the, ch- the child, her children. They removed the children from the home, arrested her. Um, she had to give up all her uh, appointments on boards and whatever else. And she lost her job on the premise that the husband said that she was abusing the children. She just uh, reached out to me and said that the Department of Human Services has determined that she had not done anything to her children, that she's going to be OK. But there's still a criminal court case against her. You understand what I'm saying? So and these are people who are, quote unquote, loved each other. Um, Gina, what are the rights? And let's start with the men first. What rights do men have when they're going through a divorce and they're in court? Because oftentimes they feel like the court is, uh, uh, you know, all about the women, right? The women get whatever they want and that the men are just left flailing in the wind. Um, and I see a lot of upset men in my social media spaces that they're paying child support and they're not getting to see their children and the women are saying whatever they want. And then I want to go back to the other side about the women. What are your thoughts on this? What should men know? So, right. So for me, let me begin by saying it's hard for me to differentiate what men should do and what women should do because the law is across. Ah, Okay. Okay. So starting there, we have tendencies that we see more in men and tendencies we see more in women. So I can speak to one thing I tell my dads is don't give up. Fight. If you want more time, don't be that weekend dad. Tell them that you want a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday. Um, you don't only have to be that fun parent. You too can get your kid ready for school, feed them breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and so forth. Um, I think another interesting fact is that custody and support only connect in one way. How many overnights do you have? Mm. So if you have more than 40% of the time, you get a reduction in support. But if, if you have 50%, it might go away depending on how much both parties earn. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not as though I pay support so I'm entitled to see my child. Um, you have to look at the 16 custody factors to say, you know, how far do you live from mom? You know, what daily, daily care do you provide? What is your family like? What's, you know, is there any mental and physical ailments of the party? And we just go down. And I, every time I have an intake with a client, the first thing I start with for custody is those 16 factors. And I say, let's go boom, boom, boom. And let's talk about this. And then I'll talk about especially with dads, okay, well, what is your plan for having the child? You know, you work, you know, overnight, three days a week, but you want week on, week off. How are we going to make this work? What is your plan? Because a lot of dads say, I love my kid. I want all the time I can get. But working out those details is something they may not have had to do in the typical situation where mom was the primary caregiver. But again, I'm having a lot of clients now come in where dad is the primary caregiver. Dad is getting the majority of the time or right off the bat, we get 50-50. That used to not happen. 
Yes. Yeah, I was going to actually comment on that. Um, two of our employees, that's pretty much the, their scenario. Um, one, the dad has the children like from Friday, like the whole weekend. You know, she goes to school during the week. She's able to do pick up, you know, um, and drop off Monday through maybe Thursday, I think. And maybe dad does the pickup on Friday and to, to Monday night. Um, and that works out for them. And then we have another person. Um, we've actually been there while they've gone through some of the, the struggles of custody battle because it's been stressful for the, for her. But ultimately, her and the father pretty much share, you know, a lot of custody. So like a win, it's a Wednesday through Sunday type situation or Thursday through Sunday type of situation. So I also am seeing that just in my universe, you know, much more than I ever saw before. Historically, I think you're right. Um, dads are weekend dads. My dad was a weekend dad. So, um, and, and to your point, that had a lot to do with proximity to where I went to school and not wanting to be too disruptive to my, you know, my normal day in, day out um, activities. So sometimes that does impact that as well. Yeah. yeah, I look at every family case as, you know, it's every family case is its own case. No two people have the same face unless you're a twin, which is, you know, there's very few cases like that that I come across. that I say, oh, yeah, I've seen this exact same thing. This is going to be the way we're going to do it. And there's no ways to change the plan. I look at it and I say, okay, you follow these holidays. You like this, this works best for you. And then together we meld something that works because sometimes people can take away being a weekend dad, but you know, if they're doing things during the week and it's just not possible, it's not how their life works. You're not a bad dad for being a weekend dad. It's just what works in your family. And that might also switch very soon. You just, you just never know. Family law is a constantly moving um, situation. So the question I now have then is what has shifted in the last few years? Because when I, w- I was getting <coughs> in custody of my children, excuse me, it wasn't because we were fighting about custody or our, our, our I, I said they, they gave the, 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 the dad weekends. I said to the father, you can come anytime you want. Right. Which was, you know, if you want to see the child Monday to whatever, come on, let's we'll, we'll make it work out. Um, but so but back then women were getting custody sight unseen. What has changed since then? A and B, what are the 16 custody factors that people need to take into consideration? So two very good questions. I, I believe it was about 2000, either eight or five when um, the 16 custody factors were put into place. So before it was always the best interest of the child. Mm -hmm. And typically that dictated mom has full time and dad can visit, you know, whatever. Everybody growing up had the friend with the different custody schedule. My best friend was every other weekend and every Wednesday night. Um, We've come a long way since then. Um, The 16 custody factors, I'll go through them relatively quickly because um, they... They are in depth and each, like I said, you have to go through and each family is a little bit different. Um, I'll skip through some of them on top of my head until they pop up. But one thing they do look at, which is interesting and people need to remember is the level of conflict between the parties. Yes. So this can play into both. So custody has two different types. We have physical custody and legal custody. Mm -hmm. Legal custody is the ability to make decisions about education, religion, Mm -hmm and medical appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys can't agree so much that they think, God forbid, there's a 
emergency surgery and you guys will never be able to agree, the judge will give it to one parent to decide. So you have to remember things like that because it will, if the judge feels as though you guys can't agree, you can lose your rights. That means you can't go to school and say, can I have little Johnny's, you know, grades or attendance records, things like that. It will really prevent you. Um, other things, like I said, we look at the mental and physical health, the parties. Um, we look at, let's see, let me pull these up so I can go through them. This is important for people to hear because there's so many conversations happening right now as people are going to Cherie's point, people are going through custody battles and things have shifted over the years. So it's no longer you can walk in and say, I'm the mom, I gave birth, I can have legal custody. It seems to me, based on what you both said, that there seems to be a little bit more leniency and a fairness towards both parties instead of just handing the child to the mom. Yes, exactly. So another one we look at is which party is more likely to encourage continuing and ongoing contact with the other parent. So, yes. So if mom always, and I'll switch back and forth because I don't say that all moms are bad or all dads Mm -hmm. are bad. Mm -hmm. But if mom will say, no, dad, you can't come and get little Johnny um, for the, for your important family reunion, the court will look very badly at that. Um, the court understands that both sides, the children should have a good relationship with both sides. And if that's a birthday party, this or that, and everyone's going to forget, Oh my gosh, I forgot my little niece's birthday is this weekend. Can we make a last minute switch? Right. Be open to those because it will look, be looked at you favorably for being able to be flexible in situations like that. Okay. Um, um the next one we look at is present or past abuse between either members of the household, whether it's the child, the other parent, or somebody else within the household. Mm-hmm. And if household members of the household will come back a few times. So you always have to think too, who's living in your house? Do they have a criminal record? What type of charges is it for? Um, things of that nature. Okay. The fourth one we look at is the need for stability and continuity in the child's education, family life, and community life. So that's like, for example, um, we don't want to uproot my daughter if she's been in dance class every Tuesday for the last Mm -hmm. six years because now we want to switch the schedule and dad can't accommodate the dance. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Um, We don't want to change schools unnecessarily. I get the argument if it's a better school district. But we think about that and we weigh it out and see if it's best for the child. Mm -hmm. Another interesting one that we have in today's world is blended families. So they'll look at the relationships between the children. So if dad has two children from a first marriage and one child from a second marriage, and he's not with the, the second wife, they'll say, well, what? we'll look at what the first wife's custody schedule is so the kids see each other. We would hate to have alternating weekends and the kids miss each other every single weekend. What? This is some good stuff. Fahim, this was good. Thank you for recommending her. I don't know where you found. I think she, you, they had, you had lunches bookers, didn't you? We did a while ago, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. the restaurant that Cherie owned. Listen, we all come to bookers to, to commiserate. I heard <laughs> something in bookers on Sunday. I was like, oh God, on Saturday. I was like, oh. Oh, <laughs> I had to wrap up my food. <laughs> well, you know, I think we're continuing as a society evolving, right? And I think that that's a good thing mm-hmm. because I think that there's a perception and it might be a misconception that women just want the custody all the time. I would have loved 
I would have loved to my husband, my ex-husband to have stepped up more and given me some freedom. Thankfully, I had a really great community around me, my mother, my aunts, my cousins, my friendship circle. But raising a child kind of by yourself is challenging. And so I think I'm, you know, my children are older than the 2005, 2008. And he chose, you know, his absent to be to be absent. But in full transparency, as a single parent with two children, I would much prefer to have shared that responsibility with somebody else. Uh, you know, also, um, I think we're evolving enough where it used to be kind of shameful that you're a bad mother if you don't have your kids all the time. And I, I hope we're growing out of that because it just may be circumstances and things could be temporary. When I was getting my undergrad degree, would it have been easier for my children to maybe be with their dad more? Absolutely. I was going through my undergrad program. I had two children. You know, I mean, so I think there's some realities of life that maybe people were afraid to admit like, oh, I wish my kids could go to their dad more often for fear that it made you a bad mother is if because we um, are the carriers and considered the nurturers that we have to automatically, you know, have their children. I think that is we evolve from not being able to have credit cards without our husband. And, you know, I think we just continually evolve and both parents and their influence is important in a child's life. Yeah. When we come back, Fahim, I'd like your take on this as the male in this, <laughs> this whole conversation. You're always dominated by Sheree and I. And every once in a while, we bring in someone else to have the conversations with us. Uh, someone, an uh, expert, subject matter expert, so that we are not just talking um, from our own experiential uh, uh, thoughts and feelings, but someone who actually is in the system and understands what to happen, what can happen. You are listening to the court, to the court. You are listening to the source on WURD, progressive <laughs> black talk media on air and online at wordradio.com. I am Andrea Lawful Sanders. We'll be back with Sharice Syfax, Fahim Gori, and our special guest, Gina, right after these messages. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. Welcome back to The Source and WURD, progressive black talk media on air and online at wordradio.com. If you're just joining us, I am Andrea Lawful Sanders, your host, Mondays through Fridays from 5 to 7 a.m. I've always said, if I am the smartest person in the room, I need to go sit down somewhere, right? And every once in a while, we need to figure out uh, uh, subject matter experts that can help us to navigate to the things that we're dealing with. Who in the hell knew that it was a Christian legal clinic and there were several of them across Philadelphia? I didn't know. People People call this radio station all the time going, I need a lawyer. You don't have to be a Christian to uh to get their services we're we literally are sitting here providing a solution on top of having conversations with people about family law we we brought uh, uh gina was brought to us through fahim who knew she was a family law lawyer and said you know these conversations we're having we need to have someone who can you know delve into the tougher subject matters to get us to where we need to i also don't think a lot of women realize until they got into court that the court don't just hand over the child to you anymore right you have to go through these 16 things and you have to prove lord i'm so grateful because the amount of brothers that cry and complain and that probably they don't even know either you know i'm just not going back to court i'm not going to see my children she's just i'm just gonna wait until my child grows up and then i'll explain to them i've also had instances where uh, a friend of mine was had the sole custody of his daughter and the 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 ex-wife came in and said he hadn't paid child support in montgomery county and they locked him up 
they locked him up even though he had sole custody of his daughter and was the one taking care of her. So while the laws, and this was a while ago too, so, you know, 2000, I wish 2008 could have been juxtaposed to 1992, truly, right? Um, because so many men suffered in the system um, mm-hmm. as a direct okay. result. Yeah. Go ahead, Fahim. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I have a, a, a unique perspective <laughs> being a father. So thankfully, I'm in a situation where I have a, a reasonably uh good co-parenting relationship with the the mother of my children. So, you know, there's uh, no courts involved currently. You know, we have a a nice, comfortable amount agreed between each other that I contribute to that, you know, allows me to to also be comfortable on my end. It it helps her out. Um, It's pretty much an open door policy as far as being able to see my children as long as they don't have something going on over there. If if they're home and available, I'm always welcome to uh, pop in to see them or pick them up and take them somewhere. So that that's all all good. But as uh, th- uh conversations that I've I've had with uh, Gina personally, it it's a unique situation because you know like occasionally she might do something that frustrates me or makes me upset, but I feel like I have to bite my tongue and can't express my frustration because the whole court thing is always kind of like something dangling over my head. Like, you know, if, if, if I say that, Hey, I don't like that you did this and I'm, I'm mad about it or anything like that. There's always that risk of, Oh, well, you're so upset. I guess we should just go to court then and then let it work out that way. You know, like it's, it's, it's kind of like a, you know, like a, a fear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a bullet in the chamber of a gun that you're just waiting to, to, to fire at you, you know, for, for any little thing. I'm curious with that then though. Sounds like, Gina, from what you're at least implying a bit, it wouldn't, it's just not um, automatic that going to court has to be a negative thing for the father. For, for him, is there a fear that you have or it, is it, it is. comfortable and to I, you when going to court? It, you may get uncomfortable, it, you may it, pay more or whatever. I don't it, know. It, it is. And I think that's what a lot of men deal with. I think that's why a lot of men are probably in relationships that they don't necessarily want to be in. And it's because it's out of that that fear and uh and and probably you know misconception that you know if you break up and the mother takes you to court it's gonna get you for everything you got you know you're gonna have to work two three jobs just to be able to keep your own lights on because you're paying all this money and you can only see your kids at a certain time it's, it's a lot of fear and uh you know to the information you just you know divulge a lot of that has probably changed now but it's just you know from what you've known coming through the years from from other men so it's just that that automatic fear like oh god if i go to court i'm gonna be paying you know two thousand dollars a month and i'm gonna get another job i'm only gonna see my kids on the weekends you know it's just it's a fear so it's like you try to do everything possible to avoid uh the courts being involved but on the back end you're also kind of at the mercy of the other person and and Gina, it sounds like what you said that's not the case anymore or am i It's actually interesting. Fahim hit on some amazing points. I actually, I make about a dollar for the most part. People don't go to court. Most of my money is made when I'm standing in court, waiting hours and hours to be heard for 15 minutes by a judge. Um, Staying out of court actually can be one of the best things you do. Um, A lot of people have this, especially in our community, have this mindset of, I'm going to go get my day in court. I'm going to take the father of my child to court. For money, or the dad saying, I'm going to take my the mother of my children to court for time. Mm-hmm. 
The issue I have with that is you are taking so much control out of your family life. Whatever your family looks like, the mother and the father and the children are a family. Whether you live together, whether you like each other or not, you are a family. And the way I look at it is that when you get involved in the court system, they'll tell you when you have to take off work. They'll tell you how long that you have to be there. They'll tell you when you can see your child. And this is all by somebody you've never met telling you what part of Christmas day you get to see your kid or if you see them on their birthday or not. I hate to say it, but when I go down to 1501 Arch Street in Philadelphia and I look around, all I see are a whole bunch of faces that look like me. Do you think that other people, other communities in this county break up and have to figure out what to do with their family situation? They do. And you know where they do it? They do it out of court because it's more beneficial to say, I might not want to be with you, but we have kids together. Let's sit down and talk about how can we spend the next X amount of years dealing with custody? It's much easier. That, that sounds, that, and that said though, Fahim, I guess maybe my question is to you, what prevents you guys from just sitting down and saying, this is going to be, this is going to be our agreement and our arrangement so that there's not a lot of fear and room for someone to come in and change that and just say, let's go to court. So I'm, I'm wanting to understand that from you as well. Right. And, I, and I'll pay a tiny, tiny bit of devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's any truth to this. There's some of, I'm a dude, because I want a certain lifestyle too. And as long as I have that lifestyle, I don't have to pay too much. I don't have to be with the kids as much where it's like my lifestyle has to change. I don't know if there's any of that in this, but to me, I do hear that. So the mom kind of being the, the primary person and giving you the room to make it where it's comfortable may change if you guys have to really put down an agreement. So if that's not the case, don't take that on. But I'm curious because I also believe that there are times when men negotiate from that perspective as well. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, and, and as I said, for the most part, we, we have a pretty, pretty solid uh, understanding between each other. It's, it's, it's very little issues. It's just, I guess, the thought of it. And and there was a moment um, where she she did bring up the. uh the possibility of, of wanting more than uh, what I currently pay. And, and we just, and we were able to have a good discussion. And I just, ex- I explained to her, I said, you know, if this is what you truly need, you know, of, of, of course, you know, I can, you know, make, you know, find a way to make it happen. But I said, but you have to look at the back end. I said, you know, the two choices are time, meaning time with my children versus money. You can't really have both. And what I mean by that is if you want this increased amount of money, okay, I only make a certain amount right now. So to, to make up that difference, I'm going to have to work more. Well, you know, whether it's like overtime or finding a set, uh, uh, another job, anything like that, I'm, I'm going to have to work more by working more clearly means I will have less time to see the children. So it's kind of like which which is more important, the children still getting, uh, you know, almost equal time with their father as when we were together versus, you know, you're, yeah, everything's going to be taken care of. You know, if, if you need some new clothes or whatever, mommy has money for it, but you're probably only going to see daddy once a month because well, I have to work so much. 
You but, know? I, but I have to ask you this. So instead of having to get a second job, are there other places where you can pop in and say, I'm having the children some, you know, extra time with you. And are there things that you can buy for them that they may need to take some of the pressure off of her while you still continue to pay what you pay in child support? You see what I'm saying? Both and. Is that possible? So in other words, you're not paying an extra $400 a month in child support, but you are if the child needs, you know, to get uh, extra $50 in groceries and she's short that week. Would you be able to then pop in and say, I can give you that extra 50? You see what I'm saying? Am mm-hmm. I making sense? Yeah. No, it makes sense. And that's the best way. That's why I say when you say out of court, people are much more willing to say, I'll give this extra 50. Right. Um, people are much, much willing to work when it's not a court pulling money out of their paycheck each month. Right. Oh, i I also think, too, one thing that people need to understand is there's state guidelines on how much you'll pay. And you can negotiate from a point of power when you understand what the situation is. So for, I always use the round example of, your combined income is $100,000. You have two kids. You can follow down the chart and show exactly what it costs to raise a child in a gross income of $100,000. And if you make 40% of that $100,000, you'll pay the 40% of what it is. And if dad makes 60%, he'll pay the 60%. And you'll know what will happen if you go to court. Some people's situation is different. You know, there's a lot of gig economy people. So you might not know exactly what the other parent makes, but you can kind of guesstimate and understand, okay, this is what the state says. If we agree otherwise, that's different. But but you can also negotiate from a powerful point knowing what your number would look like in court. My best days in support court are when I have two W-2 employees. I have laid out exactly what both parents make and I tell the person within a few dollars of what they'll have to either pay or receive. Right. So Charles Gregory Postel said this on Facebook. It is not easy for men to be excited to go to court. That's the systemic trauma men have from years of criminal justice involvement. It is not that easy to say, hey, courts are going to be fair when we know the history black men has regarding being black in front of a judge. There are so many examples to refer back to uh, that men can be terrified about. It's very similar to how black people feel about getting vaccinated and nervous because of what we know that they have done to us in the past. So let me say this to you, Charles Gregory Postel, which is why I think my ex said to me when the boys became ready to go to college, it was such a good time with you in terms of paying child support and not gouging me. If they, if the children needed to go on vacation, come on, get their passports. I'm taking them to vacation. If the children need to go play soccer practice, all those extra things were paid for. And when it was time for them to go to college, dad said, and I will help you pay for half a college, right? So when you sit and you negotiate in a way, yes, your feelings are hurt. People have hurt feelings. I have a certain lifestyle I want to live. But quite frankly, once you have children, the children must come first, period. End of story, right? And oftentimes as adults, we don't put our big girl panties and underwear on and, and speak about what the value of making sure that the child gets what they need is, right? We talk bad about the other parent. We fuss and we complain. We scream and fight about always going to court when truthfully we can navigate, truthfully, just navigate. All right. My feelings are hurt. I know, I know what you made because I've lived with you for X amount of years. Let's figure out how we're going to work this out for the benefit of the children. We as adults, we've got to be better. And so when we use court as a to weaponize against each other, it only makes life that more difficult for the babies that nobody's paying attention to while we're screaming our faces off and making these having these conversations that are absolutely unnecessary over time. Does that make sense? 
That makes sense. Maybe that's not. You also have my situation. You have men who purposely try to duck and dodge the system. My ex-husband took me to court several times because he wanted to reduce his child support order. Um, and to the point where the judge finally I said, hey, I don't even live in this county anymore. So it's um, a hardship when I have to take off work and come to this county because I have the kids 100% of the time. Not 40, not 60, not 80, not 90. 100% of the time. So, you know, my ex-husband wants to play these games so that child support is reduced. He's the one that's the contractor electrician that works under the table and, you know, all the things. So, you know, both sides play games. And my the judge finally said, Mr. So-and-so, if you bring it to court again, I'll hold you in contempt. Mm-hmm. Because coming to court, just to re- you can't you can't go any lower. I was very, mm-hmm. very reasonable in support. My support originally was set at 750 for two children. Mm-hmm. And I reduced it to 400. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have you living in a box or whatever to right. raise my children. And my children went to private school. My children ran track. My children ran ballet and 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 basketball and all that. And you know, as a as a single mother, what I despise is men feeling like they're giving you money, you getting your hair and your nails done. No, I have a three bedroom home, so my children have their own bedrooms. Like you know, there sometimes there's not validity given to women as to how they're raising your children. You know, for you not to ever have to worry about your children is priceless, in my opinion. It's priceless, and I wish he would have been a more participatory parent. It would have been a lot, you know, easier in some ways. I thank God I had an amazing family. So him not being there was not impactful for me um, in that way. But but that for me, that was what he did was took me to court several times over $400. I didn't budge. I was like $200 per kid. Kids go to private school and all the things. That's not a lot. And we went back and forth several times until the judge told him they would hold him in, in contempt because it was almost an annual thing. Yeah. And, and, and the flip side of that is my husband, my current husband, who was left with his two children and he kept the, the, the ex con- continued to complain about not being able to pay and disappeared, went to another state, lived somewhere else, never paid the child support that was supposed to be paid. And he was putting the boys through school. So we have to see, we have to see both. And right. We see these instances all the time. And yet, you know, as, as, as Gina says, you know, she's seen more and more men having sole custody of their children, more moms saying, you know what, go ahead and take them. And, and the men don't get the same credit, uh, for taking on their children and loving them in a way that a mom should, right? Um, or could or, or don't want to. And so we have to see both sides of this. This is why we have these conversations every Thursday because both sides matter. And the bottom line of this is be careful who you sleep with. Be careful who you copulate with. Be careful who you ignore the signs and symptoms of the foolishness that was around you because you think you're going to be different. And then you turn in and you marry or you get into this relationship, have children with these knuckleheads and then Mm -hmm. men and women. And then you're in this situation where you're like, oh, my God, now I'm stuck here. So the bottom line is. Hold your semen, men and women. Close those okay. legs. If you and when in doubt, when in doubt, shut it out, honey. Shut it out. We'll be I right back. To- <laughs> Hold on. You are listening. Gina's cracking up. You are listening to the source on WURD Progressive Black Talk Media on air and online at wordradio.com. I am Andrea Lawful Sanders. I will be back with Sharice Syfax, Fahim Gori, and our special guest, Gina, for our Love is segment right after these messages. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com. 
and the Word Radio app. Welcome back to the final segment of The Source today. I keep saying, if you all could hear the outtakes at the commercial, we need to, we need, we need to record some of that sometime so y'all can hear the foolishness. Because I'm like, well, what the hell? How do we get here? Gina, tell them. Uh, some of the cases that you, you know, broadly, you know, people coming in, don't know who the father is, blah, 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 blah. Tell them some of those stories, please. Yeah, I, it's interesting because oftentimes I find that the most acrimonious, the most like angry, messiest cases are the kind of cases where it was basically a one night stand or maybe it was about a month into dating and they didn't actually know each other. So I have to explain, I understand you don't know the grandmother of your child or the uncles and aunts of your child, but that child is half of them, just like they are half of you. And I have to explain that that's why they have rights. I'll never forget one time I was talking to a group of teenagers and a little girl, stood, a young lady stood up and said, well, I don't understand why does the father of my child have any rights to my child? Well, let me tell you how the birds and the bees work. The sperm yeah. needs egg. Can't right. get pregnant without the sperm. So why would you have any more right to the child than the father? Well, so think about like that. They, they carry them. So there's a, a, an ignorance, not that they're ignorant. There's an ignorance about what rights are because you feel like I carry this person. So why do they have rights? You know? I think it's also what they've seen in their household. They probably also have seen the, the predominantly mother figure doing all the caretaking and they would say well why would it be anything different oh so and let me say this before we were going the commercial break because that's exactly what and i talk about it in my book um i my ex-husband had two children three children actually before before my children they were all very 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 young um and i did think i would be different i absolutely did think i would be different and i think there's a line in my book where i talk about you know i ended up being those people um because he it was him his character you know fortunately my children and their siblings have an exceptionally great relationship because i made sure that they did my mom did it with me and my siblings who were you know with my for my dad and um i just believe in healthy family um relationships and connections um but it has it was not at the hand of my ex-husband it was just me and the mothers supporting each other because we all had small children by this person and um it just so happens my my children's siblings ran track so we'd be you know how do we all get into the track meets and can we just put the cost in the hotel because none of us were getting any support and any help so we kind of aligned which a lot of people felt unusual but i thought it was beautiful and to this day my children they're adults but they have very good relationships in fact their brother just uh, graduated from the fire academy and they were all there supporting him so i think it's beautiful yeah god fahim your thoughts my brother this was a lot to digest. This was a good, this was good. This was good. And to, thank you for him for sharing. Oh, I always yeah. appreciate it. Oh, no, sharing. no problem. Yeah, you know, I'm an open book. But uh, yeah, I mean, great information. I think more of this is what a lot of men uh, like to hear because like it's one of the uh, the uh, listeners in the Facebook comments said, it's just, it's a lot of trauma from, I guess, you know, what happened in the court systems in the past that a lot of men still fear the uh, the courts today. And, you know, and, and avoid going. But um, but if you do have to go that route, it doesn't necessarily mean like a, you know, a, a, a death sentence. Yeah, it doesn't mean a death right. sentence for you. Sometimes, it, you know, it can balance things out. And I and I also appreciate something that uh, uh, Sherry said when you were talking about 
uh, y- your ex, where you were saying, you know, I don't, I don't need you to live in a box, you know, to make sure I have the certain amount of money. Because I feel like that's an angle that a lot of people don't think about. Like, I mean, like obviously, you know, uh, you need you need to set an amount of money that's that's uh, respectable and 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 helps uh, everybody. But I, I feel like um, uh, some women don't think about it from that standpoint that if you do go after like this, you know, crazy amount of money, like, yeah, you might get that money, but I, I feel like you also have to realize, okay, when I have to keep, when, when I do have the children with me, mm-hmm. wouldn't you like to be comfortable where you're dropping them off? Like if me paying this money means I'm going to have to live in, you know, a bad neighborhood a somewhere in Philly, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to feel comfortable? Like, you know, leaving the kids with me for, for, for that weekend. And then also I don't have the money to actually do anything with the kids. With We're them. just going to be in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't have enough money to take them, you know, the Dave and Busters or something fun like that. Or do you, mm-hmm. or do you feel more comfortable with the fact that I'm in like a suburban area? You know what I'm saying? And I have a little money where I can treat them and take them out to dinner and buy them, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you got to mm-hmm. kind of think about it from that angle, but a lot mm-hmm. of good information. And, th- and that was a, a behind the scenes conversation, right? <laughs> so yeah, right. That he's referencing what I said. Yeah. yeah. Gina Toppin, thank you so much, my sister. Tell them how they can find you. And please know that I'd like to take you to Booker's for lunch. This was invaluable. <laughs> invaluable. This is the best conversations we've had about family law and child care and child support in ages, ages, ages. Good. I'm so tell glad them, t- Tell them where we can find you. Yeah, the best way to reach out to me is via phone, 215-429-5776 with the Mosley Law Firm. That is awesome. Mosley Law Firm. My sister, thank you so much. And Cherie, we all know where to find you, but tell the people where well, we, we can miss, find we you. We missed you on Tuesday. You know, there's a program at Bayou Lounge and Carol was there and all yeah. the word team was mm-hmm. there and had a good time. I, I hope I want to get an update. Monica, get, Tiffany, somebody got to give me an update. On okay. People, and people found love. I'd be curious. A lot of people showed up. A lot of men were in the room. All um, right. Women, women wanted to, to talk to me and Tracy. So Tracy and I talked about how we met. I talked about, you know, kind of tips and things that I found to be beneficial in my dating process and in marrying Tracy and all the things, throw away the list and the man may not look or be or whatever, how you thought he was going to look or be or have. I talked about Tracy's background and all the things, but that is my husband and he is amazing. So we had a really, it was a really great, great turnout and it seemed like it was a nice event. So hopefully they found that to be the case. But yes, that was at the Bayou Lounge, which you can rent for events. Um, but the restaurant, obviously, at 5021 Baltimore Avenue in West Philadelphia. My friend uh, Denise Walden is probably listening because she said she was going to tune in on Thursdays. She loved Booker's food. Let me tell you something, Gina. We took uh, Denise is from Buffalo, New York. Every bite she took of everything, she said, oh, hell no. They have to come to Buffalo. They <laughs> must. Like, they I, must. I had the chicken and waffles. I forget what else we had. We shared an app. It was, everything was delicious. The drinks were delicious. Thank delicious. you. Delish. And right. on Thursdays, if they come in Thursdays and said they listen to the Lovers segment, they get what, Cherie? A 15% discount on their food. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll drag Mr. Sanders. We can come have some lunch today. Gina Toppin, thank you so, so, yes. so much. From the depths of our toes, we're going to have to have you back on to have some more conversation because the people were talking. Anytime, anytime. And I think there is so much miscommunication in our communities that we think that we can weaponize courts on either side to get what we need. 
and we need to stop the ish. If we if we if we if we don't know people, don't sleep with them. All right, first of all, and if you're gonna sleep with them, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. close them and legs. Just, yeah, just know knowledge is power. It's a lot less scary to go into court when you know what's going on. You don't go into a job interview and not know what your job description is. Go into court and know what you have to look at and what you have to prove. What evidence matters? Yes, thank mm-hmm. you so much. And they can find you at two one five. Four two nine five seven seven six. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Sheree. Love you dearly. You already know ain't nothing but a chicken wing. Jesus, hopping is always a pleasure. And for him, my brother, you have been the icing on the cake since you joined Sheree and I in the Love Is segment. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 